morning. It's good to be in church. I know you're informed and ready. We're entering into a great season at the gate. And uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. And um, that's obviously a, a special day. So I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at um, Acts 1 this morning. We'll refer to Acts 2. So you might want to just keep your Bible there and you can flip over and remind yourself of what happened in Acts 2. But we're going to look at these two passages together. So I just jump right in. I feel like you're informed and you know what's going on. It's been a good time of worship. We're just going to jump right into the word this morning. And we're going to talk about on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to talk about a different kind of power, a different kind of power. Acts chapter one and verse number six says, so when they had come together, they asked him, of course, this is Jesus, the risen Lord and the disciples after the resurrection, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied and said, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you've been in church very long, especially if you've been in a, a spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic church, you've heard that verse, you will receive power from on high. And uh, so I want to try to open this text up to us maybe in some new and different ways this morning. Let's ask the Holy Spirit who has already been poured out to open our eyes and our minds to the scripture this morning. Would you do that as I pray? Would you just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning? Lord, we're thankful for what today means. We're thankful for what today marks. We're thankful for the spirit of the living God that has not only been poured out on us, but even as we sang, Lord, it springs up in us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we open the scriptures this morning, that the spirit of the living God would make them come alive in us and speak to us in our lives, in our moments, Lord, in what we're living in this week, this month. We thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation today in the knowledge of you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So I want to suggest to you that when we think about Pentecost and we think about the Holy Spirit being poured out, we need to keep in mind this passage, Acts chapter 1, and read it together with Acts chapter 2. A lot of times we uh, just jump to Acts chapter 2. And if you're not familiar with what happens in Acts chapter 2, I'll just very quickly tell you that we've mentioned it several times in service, but the disciples are gathered together in the upper room. They're in one accord and they're praying. 
And the Bible says that there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. These are some of the great, great phrases in all of Scripture, right? You shall receive power from on high. There came a mighty rushing wind, a sound from heaven, and it filled the place that they were gathered and cloven tongues of fire appeared upon their head. And so the disciples begin speaking in other languages, and then they get pushed out into the streets of Jerusalem. And so the first thing that I want to point out to you is, uh, is something that I'll return to before we look at Acts chapter 1. But one of the things that these passages tell us that it is in the, the fundamental sense, how many of you like to consider yourself a spirit-filled believer? That's good, Pastor Kathy. We have four spirit-filled believers at the Gate Church. I'm, I'm greatly encouraged this morning. The rest of you, we're going to have service for you later today and get you filled with the Spirit. How many of you consider yourself a spirit-filled believer? I just want to make sure I'm in the right church. Okay. I thought I was in the wrong church. I thought I had a wrong message, wrong church. I, I got to make sure I'm in the right place. But if you're a spirit-filled believer and you believe these passages tell you the essence of what it means to be a spirit-filled believer, then I'd like to kind of compare that to uh, something of like a tidal wave. So in Acts chapter 2, the spirit gets poured out and it's not like the disciples say well you know it's a good idea let's go out and speak in other languages on the streets they just get caught up in a tidal wave and they get pushed out into the street because the promise to them was that they were going to receive power that would send them forth so watch this to be a spirit-filled christian is to be a missional christian amen four amens. I'm going to get more amens by the end of the day. I feel good about it. To be a spirit-filled Christian is to be a sent Christian. S-E-N-T, not C-E-N-T, S-E-N-T. How many of you know you're worth more than a cent to Jesus? You're worth so much that he's willing to send you. So we can't embrace the idea that I'm a spirit-filled Christian and somehow concoct a lifestyle or a way of being in the world that doesn't involve being thrust out into an encounter with the world. That was a good place to say amen. I'm going to keep helping you out. I feel like you need a little help this morning, so I'm going to point out places to say amen. So here's what happens with the disciples. They're very much like us, and in Acts chapter 1, they are eagerly anticipating, and you have to understand their plight in order to get this, this what's really going on in this. So the disciples are a part of the Jewish community. They're a part of the nation of Israel, and that is not a nation, that is not a people who've been on the upside of society. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they've been oppressed. They've been ruled by Rome. Before Rome, they were ruled by another empire. Before that, they were ruled by another empire. They're they have the boot on their neck. They have been oppressed. And here are these disciples. Watch this. You got to get into their shoes. They put their hope in a King Jesus, the Messiah. They said, we're going to risk our lives and say, we're counting on this guy. This is our guy. He is the King. He's the Messiah. He's going to bring us into freedom. Are you with me? He's going to make us, uh, uh, he's going to just do everything we've been hoping for. 
and then he gets crucified. And then they kind of have a, well, that didn't really go as we had planned meeting, right? And they're like, they got three days where they're just absolutely, Jesus is crucified. He's in the grave. They know where he's at. This did not go as we planned. So we're on a roller coaster with the disciples. But then on Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene comes and says, y'all won't believe this. I've seen him. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. This is amazing. They don't believe it. Jesus shows up for 40 days. Jesus is showing up and teaching them about the kingdom, but you've got to understand how they have to feel now. We've been oppressed. We put our hope in the Messiah. The Messiah was crucified. All of our hopes were dashed, but now he's risen from the dead. So they're having this conversation with Jesus and they're bringing, watch this, they're bringing their own agenda to the risen king. And they're saying, is it now time for you to get this boot off our neck. Is it now time for you to get our enemies back? They got the Psalms in mind. They're thinking about the psalmist who said, Lord, how long do we have to suffer? When are you going to come and overthrow our enemies? And God, we're ready. If you rose from the dead, surely you know how to deal with the Romans now. Surely you know how to get these jokers off our back. Are you with me? And it's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't even correct them. So in Acts chapter 1, they say, you got the, the disciples and they're saying, we want the power. Whatever it is that got you out of the grave, that's what we want. We're ready for that. And Jesus looks at them and says, you want power? I'll give you power. Just go into Jerusalem and wait and the power will come. And they're like, deal. We're ready. Send the, oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Y'all don't know that song because you ain't been in church as long as I have. And they're ready for the power. But I want you to understand that in their minds, this power is still the power to liberate us, to get us free, to make us independent, to set up our nation, to make it great, to do everything we've been hoping for in the natural. That's what we want the power of God for. And all these people from all these other nations that have been holding it over us, they're going to get it when we get the power. And then in Acts chapter 2, the power comes. And the power comes and it pushes them out into the street, into the midst of a bunch of people who are from the nations that they were wanting to get revenge on. And the power starts making them talk in those people's languages. Y'all didn't get that. I said they were expecting the power of God to set them up to overthrow their enemies. But what the power of God did is it thrust them into the presence of their enemies and compelled them to speak the language of their enemies. Yeah, 
I'm going to say that one more time. They were expecting, you say, what does this have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked. I would like to suggest to you that it's possible that for us 21st century spirit-filled believers to bring the same agenda to our prayer meetings that the disciples brought in Acts chapter 1 and say, God, we need your power to fulfill our agenda. We need your power to fulfill our personal agenda. We need your power to fulfill our cultural agenda. We need your power to do what we think needs to be done. There's some people that have been imposing on our lifestyle. There's been some people trying to take over our nation. There's some people trying to get in our way. And if you'll send the power, we know what to do with it. And Jesus says to us, just like he says to them, you want power? I'll give you power. But here's what you have to understand at a very fundamental level. Don't miss this. God's power is not like human power. You see, I grew up in church all my life, and we talked about the all-powerful God. And I always thought what that meant was that God just had the most power. It was like everybody on earth had tanks and rifles, but God had the nuclear bomb. But if you understand how the Bible and how Jesus really tell us about power, they're not telling us that God just has a whole lot more of it than we do. What they're telling us is that God has a different kind of power. Somebody say it's a different kind. You see, I want to suggest to you that for you to fulfill the purpose of God in your life, you don't need more of the world's power. I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm going to prophesy to you. In order for you to fulfill the mission of God on your life, listen to me. You don't need more financial power. You don't need more authority in the workplace. You don't need more political power. You don't need more persuasive power. You don't need any power that the world offers. What you need is a different kind of power. You need something on your life that when you show up in the midst of the power games of the world, you're coming from an entirely different place. You're not playing those games. You see, the church is not called to enter into the games of the world. We don't play the hunger games of the world. We don't play the political games. We don't play the power games. We don't play the money games. We don't play the manipulation games. Do you believe that? You say, then what do we do? We receive something from heaven that is entirely other than what the world traffics in. Are you with me? So when we do that, we position ourselves for God to do things in our life that only come about through the power of heaven. The power Jesus gives is a power that pushes us, like the disciples, into people that we perceive to be oppressors. Watch this. And it compels us 
to become participants in God's saving action toward those people we considered oppressors. I'm going I'm to stay right here for a minute. I feel good about this. Is this okay? Let me, can I make it real? So let's say you're in your corner of the universe and in your corner of the universe, and if I hurt your feelings right now, just go ahead and forgive me in advance and we'll keep going through the word. Is that okay? In your corner of the universe, you have identified some people that are oppressors. What those people look like is that they have a different view of the world or the way things should go than you do. They are a threat to you. They are a bother to you. And whatever your favorite news channel is, it talks about those people all the time. It has friendly labels that you can put on those people, and I'll let you, let's pick some easy ones. It could be like evil, mean terrorists from Islamic radical nations, okay? You pick whatever you want. It could be, you know, people that are a part of the Kiwanis Club, and you're not a part of that club. You're a part of a different club. I don't care what label, but you have people in your life that you've identified as a threat, and what this text suggests to us is that if we are open open to it. What the power of God wants to do is not give us power to overthrow those people, but give us power to be thrust into the midst of those people with something that can transform the dialogue altogether. Mm-hmm. Do I need to fill in those blanks or y'all good? So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whoever you consider to be other, Whoever, if you're honest, you would prefer the power of God be used through you to thwart their purposes. Those people are the ones you need to have an eye on that maybe God's power wants me to open up to them in a new way. Mm -hmm. See, that's supernatural. It ain't supernatural to win a battle. It isn't supernatural to win a war. It's not supernatural to win an argument. It's not supernatural to win an election. It's not supernatural to do any of that stuff. Happens every day. And it, you don't need an ounce of the power of God to do it. But you know what you do need the power of God to do? You need the power of God to love your enemies. You need the power of God not to resist. You, I'm, you need the power of God to turn the other cheek. You need the power of God to see people that are different than you and love them and enter their world and find out how God might be working in their lives and how you can become a loving neighbor, a loving brother, a loving sister to them. Ladies and gentlemen, that is supernatural power. So I'm not going to take long this morning. I just want to teach you a few simple things and suggest some things to you. This is the power of God. Watch this. The power of God is never present in the desire to have power over people. The power of God is always present in the desire for people. So throw number one up there on the screen if they haven't already. They throw that up there for me. Look at them. They're doing fantastic. The power of God is never power over people. It's always power for people. So here's the thing, and I'm just preaching to myself and letting you listen. Anytime I sense emotions and desires in me that want to get over people, not like get over them, like get beyond them. I mean, get over them, like whip them. Here, when I say dirty, rotten scoundrel, who do you think of? That's the person I'm talking about. Are you with me? You want to get over, you want to beat them. 
You want to defeat them. That's what the disciples felt. And Jesus says, that's not how God's power works. God's power is wiser than that. God's power is sneakier than that. You see, the thing about God's power is God's power isn't afraid of anything. And if you got fear mixed with your power, that's not God's power. Because fear and God's power don't go together. You say, how could fear and power not go together? Well, see, God's power has already been to the grave and come back again. So it's not afraid to die. It's not afraid to go into any place. It's not afraid to lose. Because it knows even if I lose, all it takes is one breath of God. And I'll come back to life again. If you meet somebody who's ever really encountered God's power, you'll meet somebody who has no fear whatsoever. They're not a fear of embarrassment. There's not a fear of death. There's not a fear of defeat because they know they're connected to a power that will never come to an end. But it's not power over people. You see, the disciples wanted power for conquest, but God's power doesn't come for conquest. We're not compelled by conquest. Hear me. We're compelled by love. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to my voice. You are not called to conquer your world. You're called to love your world. Mm, I need an organ right now. Somebody help me out. Number two, it's not power for revenge, it's power for reconciliation. This is simple. It's not power for revenge, it's power for reconciliation. Now let me tell you a story. In Luke chapter 9, two of Jesus' prime 18 disciples, inner circle guys, two of the three. So you know Jesus had 12 disciples, then he had three disciples. He had three, 12, 70. These guys weren't just in the 70, they were in the twelve. They weren't just in the 12, they were in the three. James and John were their names. And they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, there's some people talking bad about us. What do you think if we go over there close to them people and we call fire down out of heaven like Elijah did and we just burn them jokers up? They got a plan. These guys are not novices. They've got a five-year plan. They're going to execute the plan. They have scripture to go with their plan. So let me show you what they were doing. They were quoting scripture. They were invoking the name of Jesus. And they had a plan. And do you know what Jesus said to those two disciples? I would imagine if we hadn't read the Bible, we might be kind of unsure. We might be like, I don't know. Maybe he said, go for it. Boy, sounds good to me. You got a text. You got my name. Them dirty, rotten scoundrels probably deserve it. Jesus looks at his two disciples and he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that shakes me in my boots. Because that tells me that I can be quoting scripture and invoking the name of Jesus, but be of the wrong spirit. See, Jesus isn't as concerned about how well you can quote your Bible or about how well you can say in the name of Jesus. Jesus wants to know what spirit are you operating in? 
What attitude do you have toward people? And if you're not in a spirit of love, Jesus says you're off base. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. I wonder if we got some James and John Christians running around in the 21st century saying, I know what we need to do with them people. We need to go Old Testament on them. We need to go Elijah. Jesus says, no, no, no. No, no, no. Not if you belong to me. Because watch this. That's not how I defeat my enemies. Well, how do you defeat your enemies? Jesus says, I love them to death. How do you defeat your enemies, Jesus? If we don't ever resort to some kind of retaliation, how are we ever going to win? And Jesus says, here's my plan. James and John, I appreciate your plan. It's the wrong plan. It's the wrong spirit. Here's my plan. I'm going to lay my life down for them. Well, if you do that, they'll nail you to a cross, make a shame of you and, and a spectacle of you. And Jesus says, I know, but once I do, my father will raise me from the dead and prove me right. Y'all just watch how this works. Because I'm not from this world. I'm from another kingdom. I wish we'd get some people who were serious about taking Jesus serious, about taking Jesus' way serious, because I believe if you do that, you'd open up your life to Jesus' power in new ways in your life. So it's not enough for me just to know a couple of scriptures and religious phrase. i got to get in the same spirit that Jesus is in. Amen. Number three, and this is our last one. I told you it wouldn't be long. I probably got a thing or two to say after number three, but it's still the last point. It's not power to build walls, but it's the power to break boundaries. It's not the power to build walls, and it's not, and I'm not trying to make a snarky comment politically. I'm not doing that. I'm just teaching the Bible, I promise, okay? So it's not, because you can build walls all kinds of ways, right? Pastor Jordan taught us about building walls. On the Sunday after Easter, we build walls around our own heart. We build our own little castles up. How many of you know that's not kingdom power? Kingdom power. And so in the book of Acts, here's what I want to show you. In the book of Acts, from start to finish, you have the disciples with a misguided understanding of what it'll look like for God's kingdom to come. And then if you go all the way, my dad and I were talking about this this week. If you go all the way to the end of the book of Acts, you find the kingdom of God mentioned again in Acts 28. And I'll show you that as we get ready to end. But here's the thing. Throughout the whole story of the book of Acts, the kingdom of God by the spirit of God is continually breaking outside of boundaries. And the minute the world would set a boundary, it's almost like the Spirit of God will say, it was almost like you're saying, I dare you. And if you set a boundary and say, I dare you to the Spirit of God, he'll transcend that boundary. So they said, well, this is a, this is a Jewish thing. See, we're, the Jewish people have got the inside track to this kingdom thing, and the Holy Spirit said, watch me. And then they said, well, people that have been Pharisees and have been persecuting the church, they're outside. And the Holy Spirit said, watch me. 
and he knocked Saul off of his horse. You can't do that, Holy Spirit. Watch me. Then they said, well, this isn't for people who are outside of this area or from this demographic. And the Holy Spirit said, watch me. (laughs) Then they said, well, you can go that far, but you sure enough can't go all the way to Rome because Rome is the center of the oppressing power. And the Holy Spirit said, watch me. So every time... And you know, the world operates this way. The world loves to just erect boundaries, to divide people, to push people apart, and to say to people that if you're of this tribe, you can't be of that tribe. And if you're of this persuasion, you can't mingle with people that are of that persuasion. I'm just reading the book of Acts and I'm coming to the conclusion that what the Holy Spirit does anytime we do that is he looks for ways to break that boundary down. That's why I love the gate church because the gate church is a church that is a living demonstration of lots and lots of boundaries that have been broken down. Can you thank God for that? I'm looking at a congregation of people that are living demonstrations of boundaries being broken down. But can I tell you that as soon as we start to feel good about ourselves, God will start challenging us about other boundaries. He'd love to transcend. You say, well, I've, I've transcended the, the racial boundaries and I'm friends with people of all different ethnicities and walks of life. Right. Great. How are you doing on the economic boundary? How's that thought run through your mind if you were like me this week at Sprouts and somebody interrupted your entry to the door with a cardboard sign and 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 what's the first thought and emotion that comes to your mind when you see somebody? Is it the love of Jesus? Let me tell you what Pastor Jay thought. Not the love of Jesus. Pastor Jay thought, I wish that lady would leave me and my family alone. We're just trying to buy some blueberries this afternoon. Why does she got to come up in here, get in my way, make me uncomfortable when I'm just trying to take my family to the grocery store? Doesn't the manager of the grocery store know that she's out here? Oh, y'all are so spiritual. You have never thought that way ever. You just get your wallet out and give them $20 bills. I'm so impressed with you. Would you pray for your pastor? Because I didn't think that. Cece was there. If you really want the truth, go talk to her. Am I doing all right? You know what that is? That's an area of growth for me that I can grow and become a boundary transcender. Are you with me? So here's the thing, in the book of Acts, here's, we're gonna get real and then we're gonna be done. Are you ready? Here's the thing, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a statement here that's just blown my mind. All week long, I've been thinking about this statement, all right? They're not gonna put it on the screen, so you gotta listen closely, all right? In the book of Acts, the fundamental sign of the Spirit's activity is that people are being asked to go where they don't want to go. Another way to say that, in the book of Acts, a fundamental sign of the Spirit's activity is that people are being asked to be with people they don't want to be with. 
You say, what's the Holy Spirit doing? And listen, I'm going to make fun of some stuff, but I grew up in this kind of church, and I love it all. I'm for it all, okay? What's the Holy Spirit doing? Brother, he is touching people with the power of God at the altar. We're laying hands on people. We're anointing them with oil and bodies. Amen. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit's. You know what the Holy Spirit's also doing? Asking me to go places I don't want to go and be with people that I don't want to be with and interact with ladies in front of sprouts with cardboard signs who I'd rather just bypass. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's asking me to stop her and ask her her name and ask her if I could pray with her right now because I know somebody that can get in the middle of your life because there's a boundary between me and her and the Holy Spirit's always asking me to go some places I wouldn't naturally want to go, to interact with some people I wouldn't naturally want to interact with. Am I preaching to anybody besides myself this morning? And so in the book of Acts, you get my favorite one. I could tell you a bunch of them, but I'm not going to because of time. But my favorite one is you get this story. You remember of Saul? Saul's persecuting the church. He's mad. He's throwing Christians in jail left and right. And Jesus knocks him off of his horse, bright light at noon. Knocks him off and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? And he, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, what? Persecuting you? Who are you? What is going on? And he's like, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Saul's like, I thought you were dead. I thought these guys were all wrong. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to Ananias' house. And Saul's like, I ain't going to Ananias' house. If I go to Ananias' house, I'm going to throw him in jail. So this is the good part of the story, right? But it gets even better because you got Jesus having this conversation with Saul. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is at Ananias' house. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, Ananias, there's a guy named Saul who's going to show up at your door. And Ananias says, oh, no, 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 he's not. Not at my house. I ain't want nothing to do with Saul. Do you know what? This is hilarious. you got to go read the text. Ananias asked the Holy Spirit, don't you know who he is? He is killing Christians. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I want you to invite him in for tea. And Ananias is like, the devil is a lie. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit said, he's on his way because he's already seen your face. You see, the guy you thought was your enemy, God's been working in his life. Ooh, I'm telling you, when you get a revelation that the people you thought were your enemy, the Holy Spirit's big enough to be working in their life. And if you ever get an encounter with them, you might find out God's been at work in his life. You might have had him boxed up in a box like a persecutor and thought you knew who Saul was, but you forgot there's a risen king who can show up on any Damascus road, who can show up in anybody's life and can turn them around. If you're walking with Jesus, you can't leave people where you found them. Come on, worship team. 
I'm serious. Y'all didn't believe me. Just sat there on the front row. Didn't even take my hints. Y'all said, yeah, we've heard him say that before. I'm serious. I'm finished. Watch this. Watch this. Here's what I want to say to the gate church in this moment that we're in. On Wednesday night, we've been having discipleship classes for about four weeks, and they've been fantastic. On Wednesday night this week, we're going to have a commissioning service for all of you. And you say, well, I haven't been to discipleship class. Well, come on and get commissioned. It'll be fun. The Holy Spirit's good. It's all right, all right? We don't have an attendance record. So just come on Wednesday night. Watch this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to commission people. We're going to pray for people. And we're going to say, God, right here on Pentecost week, I'm opening myself up to your spirit in a new way. I want you to send me out into the street, just like you sent those disciples. And I want you to send me out with a new ability to speak the language of people I might have thought of as against me. Speak the language of people who get on my nerves. Speak the language of people who I think are as far from God as you could ever imagine. And Holy Spirit, would you open me up and and this Pentecost week and and this time, as we start to have connection groups in our homes, I want to suggest to you that if, if I'm reading the book of Acts right, it's a good chance the Holy Spirit might ask you to go hang out with some people you'd rather not hang out with. Oh, Lord, Pastor Jay, don't make it like that. Well, what if you did it? You know, I've been in church all my life, and I've heard people say, man, we need to get back to the book of Acts. If we could just get back to the book of Acts, we'd have everything in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, the book of Acts. Get back to Acts. I've been to conferences called Back to Acts. We're going to get back all the way back to Acts. Well, guess what? In the book of Acts, what the Holy Spirit was doing was saying, hey, why don't you go hang out with that person you don't like? And every now and then, somebody would take him up on it. And when they did, miracles would break out. When they did, boundaries would be broken. When they did, lame people got healed. When they did, people started prophesying. When they did, sick people got healed. When they did, cities got turned upside down. But you know what? It took them getting to a new place of openness in the Spirit of God to say, God, I've I've thought of ways that your power could come, but would you give me new ways to think? of how your power can come. And so the end of the book of Acts, this is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 28. You ready? You're going to walk out those doors. You have lots of opportunities, 22 connection groups. Here's what the book of Acts says to, to the apostle Paul in Acts 28. It says he rented his own place and he welcomed all who came to him. And he taught them about the kingdom of God without hindrance what does it look like to reach the end of the Acts story for the apostle paul he lives an open life and says anybody's welcome here i'll tell you about jesus i'll tell you about the kingdom there's no boundaries there's no limitations there's no lack to my hospitality i'm a person who lives with open arms and when i encounter people god help me at the grocery store i'm going to encounter them with open arms and the love of god and i'm going to say let me tell you about jesus and his kingdom let me find out what he's been doing in your life because see here's what ministry is ministry is me being sent by the spirit don't miss this it's me being sent by the spirit 
and obeying that sending. But watch this. When I get where he sends me, all I have to do is find the areas that he's already at work. The Holy Spirit sends them out, and then when they get where they're going, they find out, well, the Holy Spirit's already here. He's already working in these people's lives. Let's just get involved with what he's doing. So I want to invite you, Gate Church, to jump into a whole season where we just open up our hearts to say, God, send me wherever you want to send me. Lord, help me find the places that you're already at work. Open me up in new ways to your power. So come on, would you stand to your feet all over the building? Let's just lift up our hands. Come on, Ashley, just lead us for a minute. Let's open our hearts to the spirit of the living God. open in your heart right now. Let him do it. Say. you to hear our sincere prayer God we're here standing as the gate church saying we want more of you we're not content we want your power we want it your way 
Lord, we want it even if it's different. Lord, even if it's other. God, even if we've embraced wrong ideas, Lord, we ask you right now just to reorient us to who you are. Lord, use us in our day. Use us in our time. God, I want to set people free right now as I pray from those feelings of inadequacy. Maybe in this message, there's been people who feel like God could never use me. I don't even have my life together. I just want to set you free right now by the grace of God to say these jokers in Acts didn't even have close to their life together. And God said, come on, I'll use you. And I want you to know it's a lie of the enemy to tell you that somehow you're not fit for the kingdom of God or you're not fit for God to use you this week. I want to tell you, God will choose you. He'll bless you and he'll send you. And so, Lord, we just say we want to be ready. We want to be willing. We want to be open to you in Jesus' name. Now, I'm just going to bless our congregation, our family, and I'm going to release you to go. But I want to invite our prayer teams just to come down front. I'm going to ask our worship team just to sing softly for just a few more minutes. Because I feel like there might be some people here that just say, you know what? I need a fresh infilling of God's spirit. Or I just need someone to pray and agree with me right now. I want to be opened up to the love of God. Maybe you're in need of receiving that. Maybe you don't need to be commissioned. You need to be healed. And our prayer teams are coming right now. We're going to conclude our service. But you can come down to the front anytime as they just continue to worship softly. These guys will agree with you and, and pray with you. We want you to know that the power of God is present right here, right now. To our church family, I say the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And I say the Lord fill you afresh and anew with his spirit this week as you go forth. We love you. We bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday at Family Day. God bless you.